Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for us at keyword World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed tea for two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, Turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Never say never, live your dream. Well, it is playtime again. Welcome to our sandbox. Hello, power partners. It is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And, of course, we are your personal growth success coaches here with you on the airwaves. We've got a lot of heart. We want you to live your dreams. We call this Champagne for the Spirit, and it's brought to you from Be The Star You Are, nonprofit corporation, and produced by Star Style Productions. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by the brand-new website created specifically for teens and young adults, Express Yourself at www.btsya.com. So upload your creative works today. Go to btsya.com. And this is from Samuel Grafton. A penny will hide the biggest star in the universe if you hold it close enough to your eye. Well, that (laughs) sort of starts off today's show. We're going to be talking about the boomerang generation, all those 20 and 30-something kids, young adults who are moving back home with the folks. Is it working? Is it tough? Is it just back to basics? And what are the etiquette? Heather and I are going to be discussing that subject coming right up in our Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew segment. And then segment two, a real a real treat for everyone. We're having a return from our megastar author, James Rollins, who has just launched his new book uh, in the Sigma Force series called The Devil Colony. It is a true roller coaster ride and a thriller, so it's going to be really fun to talk about that. It's history and fact and a lot that you probably didn't know about the founding of our country. And then in our final segment, you have been listening to The Miracle Moment since 1998 at the top of our hour And now you're going to hear the story behind the story and get some more affirmative actions to jumpstart your life. So all of this, all here, all now on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Okay, well, parents, what do we do when it's time to turn the office back 
into the bedroom. How are families tackling this new challenge of having their 20 and 30 something kids move back home after years of either being an empty nester or having them at college or away at jobs? Multi-generational American households have nearly doubled in the last 20 years, and it can be complicated sometimes. It can be disastrous. It can be also very wonderful. But we want to just, you know, give you a few tips and some thoughts to keep the peace and to keep the families together and make it a very good experience because there's going to be more noise. What do you do about curfews, rules, chores? And, of course, what about all the sex partners or whatever else? (laughs) So we're going to have to have some respect. And, Heather, you are our resident 20-something, and I don't think you have any um, desire to move back into the mommy-daddy nest, but I know that you have lots of uh, colleagues and friends who have had to do just that. So let's talk about how we can all get along as adults, different generations, living in one household, and what do you do when you boomerang right on back home to mom and dad? Yeah, well, I think just, you know, first kind of explaining for everyone, if they're unfamiliar with the term, is these are, you know, the babies of the baby boomers, the generation X's and Y's, that that boomerang, that they got sent out, you know, you're off to school, work, and now you've come home after the big economic crash. Um, So many people could no longer afford living on their own. Um, before it was that you just needed a college degree, and now that doesn't um, really mean job security. Many people are having to go back for their master's or graduate, and again, taking on more financial burden. So that empty nest has now gotten some, the eggs back into it. Um, I think you know, really that's kind of looking at the whole family structure. Is this something that people are able to do? I know for me, as much as I love coming home, I just couldn't imagine um, moving back home for me. I think it's really hard to think having so much time and freedom on your own um, to go back to that situation because very much so I think people in these 20-somethings, have, they've, they've been adults now their own life. They've been paying their own bills. They've been having their own places, and now they're back under a parent's watch and is someone able to do that. And, and before you go further on that, you know, something else, too, when you say that they've been out on their own and they've paid their own bills and they have at least some of their own money, they also have their own decorating style, their own eating patterns, sleeping patterns, and friendship patterns. And they may not fit in with the way that mom and dad or the rest of the family used to do it. So, you know, out of respect for everybody, we have to set new parameters and new rules and kind of figure out how everybody is going to live together as adults and, you know, in an atmosphere that is going to nurture everybody. And I often want, you know, the trend-wise, is it's wonderful to know that people have, you know, the support of parents that would allow, you know, your kids to, to move back in. But it's definitely an interesting concept because that was not something your generation would ever even, you know, really consider, I would think of. Um, it, it's a thing now to think of what's getting what's getting people to this time. Is it the, the economy? Is that jobs are going away? Is that this generation, my gen, were they more spoiled? Were more things given to them that they don't know how to fend for themselves or budgeting or job seeking? And then also, I, I think something I worry about a lot of times too. Um, things can get prolonged. Oftentimes, when people decide not to move away for college, they're just going to stay at home. That, if they're, you know, sometimes that can make it 
them stay longer at home or puts the, you know, job-seeking, you know, kind of on the back burner. Um, if someone's aligned to have, you know, is it going to help encourage their children to get out there and, you know, hit the payment trying to find a better job? Or is it further going to be that, okay, well, now they won't have to pay rent and they can just live at home? Um, really kind of thinking about the negatives and, you know, the pros and cons versus this whole boomerang epidemic. I just know for myself, um, you know, I know that would always be allowed. You know, I'd, I'd be given that option. But I think for me, I really would want to, you know, choose and nail it out until I could no more trying to do something on my own. I don't know. What are your perspectives regarding this whole boomerang phenomenon? Um, and as yourself, you know, as a parent, have you had any um, of your adult friends having their kids move back in and what impact does that put on their lives? Yeah, you know, actually, I have many, many friends. I First of all, I guess I should say it's been wonderful that neither of my two children, neither you or your brother, once you were gone at 18 for high school, you've never, you know, depended on, depended on us for anything, you know, more than that. And I think that shows a great responsibility and a big initiative on your on your part. And I want to uh, applaud you for that. And on that same light, yes, I've had many actual friends whose kids have moved back in. And some have moved back in, and you know many of them, too. Some of them have moved back in, as you said, uh, after college. Others have lost their jobs, moved back in. Uh, some have been married, got divorced, had to move back in with their parents. Uh, some are engaged and are living with their parents with their, you know, supposed engaged person. So... For what I have looked at in talking with a lot of friends about this is setting the parameters. You know, the the bottom line is as parents, you know, hopefully we all love our kids unconditionally. And I know with me, I, you know, of course, I would crazy about you guys. And, and if you had to move back in, it would happen. However, it would change the dynamics. And I do think that there's some some ground rules that need to be set. And I've found with friends of mine, the ones that have set ground rules seem to be happy. The ones that have not, they seem to be having some challenges. So what were some of those ground rules? I mean, some of the things were, first of all, where is the child going to go back to? I mean, it's possible that the old bedroom is not there anymore. A lot of people, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people, the minute the kids move out, that bedroom becomes an office, an exercise room, uh, a craft room. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. interesting how, how that changes. So that has always been one thing. The second thing is, is you brought this up, what about finances? A lot of these young kids are saying, oh, I'm moving back in because I'm going to save money. But, hey, wait a minute. We're in tough times now, too, and it's hard for parents now. They have more mouths to feed. Uh, does that mean that they're not the kids aren't going to pay any rent or not pay any food or water or utilities or you know, is it totally a free ride? So you have to decide, you know, who's going to be doing the laundry? Who's going to be doing the cooking? Who's going to be doing the shopping? And then I think it's also how long are you going to stay? If you think it's just a couple of months, that might be doable. But are you moving in forever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and another thing I've had friends have to deal with, and this is really, really hard. It's a difficult conversation, and it's tough. Um First of all, you're not, as you said, you're not kids anymore. You're now adults. You've been living on your own, and you haven't had curfews. You've come and gone as you as you have wanted. However, 
what happens when the boomerang child is now back at home and is going out, but mom and dad are still worried when it gets to 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock and they're not home. So I think, again, it gets down to respect of at least letting your parents know, hey, I'm going to go out. I may be out all night. Don't worry about me. Don't call the cops, you know, <laughs> if I don't come home. And the second part of it is uh, what about that boyfriend or girlfriend that they may have, you know? The parents may not even know well, about these. Well, nothing's so sexy than I live with my parents, so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's not a real, yeah, let's go home and get it on at my parents' house. That sounds like a lot of fun. So, um, <laughs> so you know, that's another thing. And as I said, I have, I have friends who have had their child with their fiancé or girlfriend or boyfriend move in. I would feel that would be really uncomfortable to have a boyfriend or girlfriend moving into, and I, I'm not so sure. You know, I guess you never know what you're going to do uh, until you go through it. We also have other friends who, you know, have actually had children, and now it's – and that are not married, and they have um, – there's the three generations living together. So there's the – the the parent and or maybe it's a single parent and then the child and then the child's baby so you want to find out how long they're going to stay what about the significant other you know how are you going to do that how's your your dating and sex life going to go is there going to be a chore chart you know um is how how are you going to clean the house etc and what about rent i mean are you going to pay a little bit of it there no matter what when there's an extra person in the house it costs more money there's mm-hmm. more gas electricity water garbage you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and then finally are you expecting your mom to be your personal chef again i mean maybe it's time to show off your cooking things so those are just some of the some of the thoughts so um i think most people they work it out just fine and then it's going to be you know it's it's going to be it'll be great but these are some thoughts you have to think about. What about with you, with friends yeah, who have I think it's like, Well, you know, I've been I've been very fortunate that I I don't very I don't think I have any friends that have had to have this situation, uh, or if they have, it's really just been um, an in between, you know, a, a semester of school. Uh, I think it's really important to have that exit plan. That okay, I'm moving home for a semester or a brief amount of time. A lot of times, parents at first kind of honeymoon that the kids have been gone for so long and oh it's so good to have you home and then before you know it months and years and then you realize why you wanted to move out in the first place and people really need to be respective of that is that now I mean once you're moving back under your parents um eyes it's no you know you it's their place it's truly kind of all respect has to be given to them your whole kind of life needs to change in that so I, I would hope that would be um <clears throat> excuse me motivation for people to be seeking out these job things. It's an interesting term because in other cultures where people um, live, you know, in Hispanic cultures or Asian cultures where people live with their parents um, for longer than Western cultures, but it's also different as that when the old, when the elders are older, they move in with the children. Right, and, and that's... They come back and take care of them. So it's, it's kind of this constant cycle, um, but I necessarily don't find it to be a good thing, I, I find it kind of, it's a show of the time with our economy that so many jobs have been outsourced, that so many jobs have been downsized and combined into, you know, what 10 people used to do, now only one can do. And for 
Uh, well, the bottom line, I think, is because now we're we're also we're out of time again. Um, Heather, we always run out of time, but is to look at the situation, to set a timeline for how long it's going to be, to pitch in, to communicate, to be open about that, set some ground rules, and remember respect, 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 because you always want to have a good relationship with your family, and you want your family to be there. So give out the website. Most definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.org and BeTheStarYouAre.com, as well as CarmenCollective.com, both with a K. Well, and when we come back from break, one of our favorite thriller authors will be here with his newest installment in the Sigma Force series. It's James Rollins with The Devil Colony. Are you ready? Stay tuned. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We are back with a volcanic moment. Don't go away. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Well, we are so glad that you are still here with us and listening where the world comes to talk and listen. I am Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, a broadcast that has been live every week since 1998, bringing you the movers and the shakers on the planet. And we want to make sure that you Zoom and check out the new website for youth and teens at btsya.com. Make a donation. Keep this rip-roaring, hot, hot, hot program on the air. And have your youth submit their creative works. 
It is tax deductible. You're supporting literacy. And you get to meet the fabulous authors and experts who truly make a difference in your life. Well, it is Bastille Day today, the celebration of the end of the French Revolution and a perfect day to host one of my favorite roller coaster authors who happens to be a veterinarian as well. James Roland is back with us with his nonstop erupting volcano of a novel, The Devil Colony. Well, welcome back, Jim, to Star Thank Style. You, to Thank Star- you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Viva la France, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, had to, I thought it was a perfect day to have you on because being the end of the uh, French Revolution of 1789, you allude to this in your new novel, The Devil Colony, as... Um, the revolution partly being caused by a volcanic eruption that happened in 1783 and 84 up in Iceland. So, exactly. yes, you know, until you wrote about this in The Devil Colony, and here I'm a history major, I had no idea. I always thought it, the revolution was about uh, taxation and all of that. Very fascinating yeah. fact. You know, basically, well, there's a lot of starvation secondary to the lackey eruption in Iceland. It caused a basic climate change. It got it changed the climate so severely that the uh, Mississippi River froze as far down as New Orleans. That's how severely the weather changed. And uh, because of that, there was a global famine that occurred, including in France, and it's considered to be one of the triggers for the French Revolution was that uh, widespread uh, famine that was going on. Well, so much of your novel revolves, obviously, around, again, we won't give out too much, but it revolves around these uh, volcanic eruptions and eruptions throughout the United States. But Iceland features uh, very prominently in your book, and we've been having, we've been seeing just in the last few weeks, more eruptions in Iceland. That island that you talk about in your book, is that actually an island? In Iceland? It is. That's a true place. Everything I describe about that place is real, including the fact that the the neighboring island to where all the action takes place is known as the Pompeii of the North because there was a huge eruption that basically buried the seaside town of that uh, little island under uh, ash and lava. And they did excavations, and you can actually visit spots on that island where you can see homes that are half buried under lava and half exposed and excavated fascinating so this is what makes your novel so exciting and your especially your sigma force is you know how to combine the true facts of history and then you add your incredible characters and uh, you know it's hard to know what's fact and fiction but this one takes place in the united states or the northern hemisphere for the most part so Something that you brought about in The Devil Colony was about the Founding Fathers. And we've all seen the Great Seal of the United States. And I never really stopped to think about the fact of the feathers and the, the arrows that are in it and how this was tied together. I just always figured 13 arrows, 13 colonies. But you go on to talk about the, the, um, the North American or the, um, the Native Americans that right, were really a part of this. Exactly, because there's basically a lost founding father to this country. 
a figure that was just as influential as George Washington or Thomas Jefferson. Um, he was an Iroquois chief, a Native American chief. Uh, the Iroquois nation at that point was a confederacy of six warring tribes that banded together about 250 years before the founding of our country. They had their own constitution. It was a very democratic form of government. Women were involved in government. It was a very unusual form of government. And that greatly influenced our founding fathers. And that Iroquois chief, uh, he was a bit of a rock star of that era. He had the ear of the, all the other founding fathers. He met Benjamin Franklin at a treaty conference, and he walked into Benjamin Franklin. He gave him an arrow. And when Benjamin Franklin expressed concern about what that meant, the chief snatched the arrow back, snapped it across his knee, and let the pieces fall to the floor. And then the chief turned around and grabbed a bundle of 13 arrows tied together and tried to break it across his knee. This time they wouldn't break. And he presented those to Benjamin Franklin, basically stating that your squabbling 13 colonies are never going to survive as single arrows. If you want to remain an unbreakable union, you're going to have to join together. Well, that so struck Franklin that he actually published that speech of that Iroquois chief and, and spread it across the 13 colonies. And it's considered to be the speech that was somewhat uh, a turning point in getting the colonies to agree to unite. And because of that, Franklin was also one of the designers and architects of the Great Seal of America, and we've all seen it on our dollar bills. You have the eagle with the outstretched wings, and one talon is a olive branch, and the other talon is 13 bound arrows. And that little 13 bound arrows was uh, Franklin's secret acknowledgement and nod of appreciation to Chief Conestatego, that Iroquois chief. But how many people in history know that? And, and that barely scratches the surface, really, of what's in my novel regarding that uh, close connection between the Iroquois and the, uh, the building blocks of our own country. It's basically a bit of history that's been whitewashed away. I describe it as a, a secret hidden in plain sight, and one of my goals of this novel, besides entertaining and telling a, basically a roller coaster of a ride of a story, is hopefully to leave somebody with something to think about, uh, to wipe some of that whitewash away and expose a bit of truth that's been hidden for a long time. Well, this is what I think is so important is you had this particular book, The Devil Colony, has so much Native American history intertwined in it, uh, the lore, as well as the wisdom and the knowledge and all of these thermal places and all of so much of what the Native Americans brought to our nation that has been either whitewashed or, or shoved away, you bring out in such a beautiful and respectful manner that it was exciting. It made me want to go back and study so much of our history, of our own American history, and especially Lewis and Clark. That whole expedition, you put another twist on it, which absolutely makes sense, and why Jefferson yeah, sent yeah. Lewis. Right, and it wasn't even my twist. Um, well, some of it's my twist, but... Uh, well, it's your, it is your twist. You, you, you bring it to the forefront. <laughs> sure. And the basis of that is, is based upon a secret note that Jefferson sent to Congress in 1803, revealing that the Lewis and Clark expedition was not one just of exploration to the West to discover the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the goal of that was that there's a secret. There's a secret mission behind that, uh, that, exp that a team that was sent out. And Jefferson reveals it to Congress, and if you read my book, you're going to find out what that is. I'm afraid to tell too much about it. But uh, it also ties to the fact that Meriwether Lewis, uh, one of the team members of the Lewis and Clark expedition, um, for the longest time, everybody believed he committed suicide. For two centuries, his death was considered to be a suicide. 
but further examination, both uh, just, just basically in the last five years, the conclusion is that it was not suicide. It was actually murder. Somebody murdered Louis, uh, Meriwether Lewis. Let me give you this example. Let me just test your audience whether they would think this was murder. Now, Meriwether Lewis was an expert marksman. Uh, it's reported throughout the Lewis and Clark expedition that he, you know, could shoot, uh, you know, game and, and, and threats from, from great distances with great accuracy. So you have this phenomenal marksman, and this is the way he commits suicide. He shoots himself in the belly. He shoots himself in the head yet still lives for another eight hours. Now, how, by anybody's stretch of the imagination, does that sound like a suicide? That, to me, sounds like somebody was trying to kill him. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I had no idea that it was probably an assassination until I read your book, The Devil Colony, because from what I had studied in history, it was always committed suicide. I never dove any deeper into it. But then you also talk about the buffalo hide and all of these things. Yep. He really was, um, he really would have been a good Sigma Force <laughs> member, <laughs> exactly. wouldn't he? he? Because yeah, well, he had Sigma the science. Forces, you know, and, right, they're, they're soldiers, they're spies, they're scientists. And that pretty much describes Mary Van Lewis. He had great interest in science. Uh, he was a former soldier. And uh, he was serving basically as Lewis's uh, secret spy. They had a, their own secret code that they shared between the two of them, um, so they can communicate uh, cryptically and keep messages secret. Uh, so very well, uh, definitely, Meriwether Lewis would make an excellent Sigma Force member. He definitely would. Well, we're talking to James Rowland. He is the author of many, many books and the Sigma Force novel. But the, his newest novel is The Devil Colony, and it is really my favorite to date. I mean, every of course, I say that every time I interview you, uh, Jim, because every single book is just it's it's heart racing. It's one of, you write books, and I don't know how you do it. That you have to just keep turning the pages. It sounds like a cliche, but it's not. I, I can't. I can't put it down on my nightstand and, you know, sleep during the night. I have to read it in one setting because I just want to know what happens. It's like well, one, of my so early reviewers said, one of my early reviewers said, you know, James Rollins doesn't, uh, doesn't write novels. He builds roller coasters. And, That's uh, I exactly told, I, right. I would like to have that tattooed somewhere on my body. I love he, that quote. Well, but, you know so what? That can... That can be your uh, t on your tombstone too, right? But you got to live a long time. But that's why I introduced you as a roller coaster writer because you there do you, you you build roller coasters. It is up, it is down, and you never know what the next step is doing. Let's talk about the nanotechnology, Jim, because sure. this is something else. That this is why I love your your novels. You dig so much into the science. Well, you're just like your characters, right? You know the science, <laughs> the spy, and the and the soldier. But this uh, this science of this nanotechnology, right. I had no idea. Again, the power that is in this, and should we be scared? Uh, I believe that well, there's reason definitely for concern. Uh, most people think when they think nanotechnology, which is um, manufacturing at the atomic level. And most people think that sounds like something out of science fiction, but actually it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a cutting edge of a new industry. Uh, just last year, $70 billion worth of nanotech products were sold. I'm sorry, $70 million of nanotech products were sold in the U.S. last year. And they usually came in the form of nanoparticles, and you'll find those nanoparticles in very common household things like cosmetics and medicine and sunscreens. Um, probably anywhere on our body right now, some of us have nanoparticles from the common household products that we use. 
But the dark part of that industry is that it's a new industry. It's a bit of a wild and woolly business right now because it's not very well regulated. There's absolutely no requirement of labeling of nanoproducts. You could be using a toothpaste that has some new cutting-edge nanoparticles in it, but they're required not to label. You don't have nowhere on that label that they have to tell you that. And just recently now, some scientists are discovering there should be reasons for concern. Uh, UCLA scientists there discovered that certain nanoparticles in sunscreen can actually cause genetic damage. Um, so while it might protect you against uh, that sunscreen, might protect you against a sunburn, it might also you know grow that third eye in the middle of your forehead. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, there's reason for concern. I think we're probably jumping a little bit fast and forward in this industry without proper maybe safeguards built in. Uh, so, so yes, especially for a thriller writer, that's a, a great place to start and jump off from to tell a hopefully an exciting story. Well, it, it is an exciting story, but it was also really frightening because it just it feels like there's only a handful of people that really know what's going on. And those of us in the public, we have no clue what some of these scientists are doing. And you have, you know, in in uh, in the devil colony, you have a few of your major people, uh, one in in Japan and people connecting Scientists connecting together around the world from different centers. So is you did mention about the volcano that erupted 600,000, is it 600,000 years ago, that every 600,000 years right. it destroys? And now that we're overdue by some 40,000 years. So, I mean, is, is this an actual truism? Are we going to have this right. big eruption? And are there systems in place to stop it? Well, that is very concerning. Uh, it actually concerns me when I was, the more I read into it, the more frightening I got during my research. <laughs> and we're talking that. about, we're, we're talking about yellow, basically Yellowstone. Uh, the Yellowstone National Park basically is one large super volcano. It's one large volcanic crater. And it's exploded three times in the Earth's past. And it's been exploding pretty much on clockwork. Every 600,000 years it blows up. And we're, the last time it erupted was 640,000 years ago. So we're actually 40,000 years late see that uh, that volcano erupt and it's, but there's some definite warning signs that we should be concerned um, that whole valley is starting to uplift starting to rise and it's accelerating uh, matter of fact Yellowstone Lake in the middle of Yellowstone Park it's actually tipping sideways and all the water is beginning to dump out one side of the lake and drown the forest on the other side there's old historic paths that have to be closed and sealed off because there's crevices that are opening that are releasing toxic gases. So there's plenty of warning signs right now that maybe that 40,000 late eruption is about to occur. And if it does, as uh, last time it erupted, it, it tore a hole in the earth, tore a hole in Earth's crust the size of Rhode Island, and it will literally be an extinction event. Now, now, the only caution I can have is that there are scientists studying that. There is the Yellowstone Volcanic Center that is uh, both studying it to get any warning signs of, of the imminent eruption, but also looking at ways, is there any way to depressurize that gigantic magma chamber that's building there? So hopefully, you know, maybe they will come up with a solution, but we are definitely on a, uh, on a uh, timeline that there's a clock, tick, clock ticking right now. That is so frightening. That was one of the most frightening things, and it, I, I felt it had to be fact, you know, that you have in your book that because there are all these um, eruptions happening, and you just look at our climate changes that are happening in the world right now. I mean, I'm, here in Northern California, I feel like we never even had spring. We kind of went from winter to summer, and now it, 
at least today, it's we're kind of back in winter again. It's strange. So now I, I wanted to get to another part of your book because you also delve into the Book of Mormon throughout right. your novel, The Devil Colony. And again, as you always do, you bring up things that I, you know, people just haven't thought about. So in the Book of Mormon was... Are there actually gold tablets that were handed down? Yeah. I mean, it, that isn't a folklore, or the really no, this really did happen? Uh, again, this is according to the Book of Mormon. Joseph Smith uh, obtained these golden tablets and translated them into uh, what would eventually become the Book of Mormon. And, uh, you know, this whole novel actually started from a bit of a mystery surrounding the Book of Mormon. I had two friends who were Mormon, and I was having a dinner party, and they got into a bit of a heated argument about one tenet of the Book of Mormon, and it was one aspect that uh, was a bit controversial, and they got a little bit ridiculed for it and catch some flack for it, and basically that tenet was that, according to the Book of Mormon, the Native American tribes of North America are said to be descendants out of a lost tribe out of Israel. And on face value, that seems like a wild claim, and genetics don't seem to really support that. Um, but as heated as these two gentlemen were about that subject matter, I thought, well, maybe there's a story here. Maybe there's a seed of truth that I can, if I look hard enough, I might be able to find. And indeed, after about a year of doing research, uh, talking to BYU, uh, Brigham Young University uh, scientists and historians, uh, crossing from one end of the country, I began to put this little jigsaw puzzle pieces together, a bit of uh, Native American history, ancient Jewish lore, the uh, founding of this country that we just talked about. And all these pieces began to fit together that basically I came to the conclusion that, yes, there probably is some support for that tenet. As wild as it might sound, there does seem to be some hint that maybe that bit of the Book of Mormon is is actually true. And I'll give you this one example, and there's much more of that's in the book, uh, but I'll at least uh, reveal this much on, on, on air, is the Cherokee language itself has 400 words that are identical to Hebrew, and that's beyond statistical probability that Cherokee would have any Hebrew in it. Um, so that makes me wonder, was there any contamin Jewish contamination? Was there a, an excursion from, from uh, Israel to the United States or to this continent a millennium before the founding of our country? Um, and tidbits like that seem to hint that possibly there was, and maybe that contamination, maybe that exposure, that merging of cultures of these uh, fleeing Israelites and the, the Native Americans here, that maybe that was a basis for that tenant. And I go in much more detail in the novel, uh, threading that throughout history and how that might all connect in much more detail. See, that is just so fascinating. I mean, as you, as you said, it couldn't possibly happen as a coincidence to have that many words in the Cherokee language that are identical to uh, Hebrew. Right. It just doesn't, that, that just wouldn't happen. Well, we have been talking to James Rowland, and his book is The Devil Colony, and the website is jamesroland.com. And besides this new book, The Devil Colony, you know him from The Doomsday Key and The Last Oracle and the Judas Strain and Map of Bones and, uh, let's see, Black Order. I'm forgetting probably quite a few. And you also mm -hmm. did the Indiana Jones. Well, you bring out a book a year just about. So what are you, what's the next step? What are you going to work on now? Well, I'm working on a sequel to this novel. I'm also Oh, good. I'm glad finished, there's a sequel. <laughs> uh, yep. There's a, we pick up right where this leaves off. And uh, we're also, I'm also just, actually just finished the third book in my young, uh, young adult series, my uh, kid series that I... Uh, I've been working on on the side. Oh, see, you, we better you better get us this one. You better get us the young adult one too, because the new website that the charity just launched is for young adults at that btsya.com. Oh, well, we'll yeah, we'll because the, 
I agree with you. I think we have to get the um, we have to get the young adults, you know, on board with some of these really exactly. great adventures. Well, and the Jim, key is, the it, key is keep, keep reading. Keep reading. That's the thing. Our yep. motto here is read, lead, succeed. And without reading, you know, you'll never be a leader. So you have to be a leader, you have to be a reader. Uh, I just want to ask you, too, about some of your four-legged creatures, because that's <laughs> maybe the part of, of, you know, when you're such an adventure writer like this and doing the Sigma Force, especially, people may not remember that you went to veterinary school and you love animals as well. So what do, what I... animals do you have right now? I've I've got a golden retriever, a little rescue kid, and I've got a dachshund. Well, uh, and, and they're uh, they're missing their dad right now. Of course they are, because you're traveling, and I love I loved the dog. I loved your dog in the uh, in the Devil Colony. Oh, I love merging my two passions: my my love of veterinary medicine, my love of animals, and my love of writing. It's fun to merge those two together. Well, isn't it great? You're totally living your dream, and you're living your calling. Calling, And, Jim, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I want you back anytime you have a book. Oh. Let's give out the website again, jamesrollins.com, R-O-L-L-I-N-S. Pick up a copy of this new book, The Devil Colony, a Sigma Force novel. It is another roller coaster ride. I love it that you build roller coasters. I think this is just <laughs> awesome, James. I, I guess you have a tattoo that you're going to have to get, you know? What can we say? <laughs> well, thanks, Jim, for being on Star Style. Be the star you are. And we'll look forward to having you back really soon. Thank you very much. James Rollins, jamesrollins.com. Check out The Devil Colony. And while you're there, check out some of his other books. You, you won't be disappointed. This is Cynthia Bryan. The show is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back, and we're going to be talking about miracle moments. Don't go away. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Humor is serious business, but do you take your career seriously and yourself lightly? I hope so. In a survey of over 737 CEOs, 98% said that they would rather hire someone with a good sense of humor than someone without one. If you are willing to laugh at yourself and your mistakes, you are better prepared to handle stress in the workplace. Humor builds positive working relationships and improves morale. Norman Cousins, in his book, Anatomy of an Illness, found that laughter enhances respiration, circulation, oxygenates the blood, and suppresses the stress-related hormones in the brain. Laughing with others builds confidence and camaraderie. More corporations are realizing the positive effects of humor and are building it into their culture. Business doesn't have to be boring. Humor makes for better business sense. Business and humor go together, and that is serious business. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For coaching or consultations to help you go to the next level, call 925-377-7827 or email info at starstyle.us. 
Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, wasn't that a fun segment with uh, James Rollins? Yeah, his books are just so amazing. He's Over the years, he's been on Star Style, Be the Star You Are several times. Each time he has a new book coming out. You know, and he did, uh, he wrote the screenplay for the latest Indiana Jones uh, movie as well. And, you know, most people just don't know about how much he, um, he loves animals and what, and is a veterinary. He went to veterinary school. He is a, a doctor of veterinary medicine. Yet he writes these amazing books that combine history and science and true life with characters that you would like to be your friend, except for the ones that are the villains. And he really knows how to write these really evil villains. But they're books that, for all ages, that um, anyone can read. And they're just so enjoyable. So we're always happy when Jim joins us. Well, I wanted to talk to you now about the book Miracle Moments. Uh, Since 1998, on this show and also on my television shows, we always have had a miracle moment, and a miracle moment is just uh, each was each week that I would give a quote, and it all started actually in the early 90s when I was producing a television show called Live Your Dreams, and this show was a show that talked about and interviewed what I called ordinary, extraordinary people. It was a television series with heart and with inspiration, and it celebrated the accomplishments and the ordeals of people who have risked all in the pursuit of their dreams. And it, this came to me after my dad had died in my arms, and, and I felt that I needed to get the message out to the world that we are all stars, that we all have a purpose, that we all have a calling, we all have a mission, and that once we find our purpose and our passion in life, that's when we find our life. So because media and television had been my background in doing films, I started writing, producing, and hosting this TV series that was on the air for many years, and it started on one one, uh, station in San Francisco and uh, quickly went to um, about 20 different uh, networks around the country and it was really it was quite fun but one of the things that I had is in the show 
between each segment, I would do a miracle moment where I would come on and I would uh, say the miracle moment for today, and then it would be a quote. Well, partway through the second or third season of the show, everybody was writing to me and saying, we need a book of these quotes. We love the miracle moments. And my crew especially, they loved it. They felt very inspired by these little quotes. Many of them were ones that I wrote, and then others of them were ones that, you know, I had been collecting. Since, since I was a little girl, I've been collecting quotes. I think that when we have these adages and affirmations for our life, uh, and we wake up in the morning and we have a positive thought for the day, I think we go further. We feel better about ourselves. So this is how it started. And these uh, miracle moments. So not only was the show entertaining and enlightening, but it was really a forum emphasizing that life is a thrill and that money and fame run a true distant second to peace and happiness. And so my goal was to bring people peace and happiness. So one time, as a gift to my crew... I decided to put together a little booklet, and um, one of my assistant producers actually took all the quotes that I had written and produced this lovely little uh, book that was handmade called Miracle Moments. And what I loved about it, it was called Miracle Moments, The Fulfillment of Potential. And we gave it out to all the crew members. Well, crew members shared it with other people, and before long, there was a uh, <laughs> kind of, I can't even explain it. Just people from all walks of life were calling and saying, how do I get this book? And bookstores were calling, how do I get this book? So I started making more editions of the Miracle Moments book. And the book is still being made. It's still handmade. And we have it made by people with um, disabilities. So we pay them to have the book hand hand uh, cut I guess you know they tear the pages they make the covers so it's a very imperfect kind of book but it is just a little miracle to offer you hope encouragement and to push you to require you to reach your potential and to live your dreams because I've always believed that conceive believe achieve we really were born to be magnificent now if you want to buy copies of miracle moments the best place is probably to go to starstyleradio.com and click on the store. And that when you click on that, you can see all of the different books and Miracle Moments is there. And you can buy it right there with uh, PayPal using your credit card or whatever. Or you can also go to uh, my website at star-style.com. That's S-T-A-R dash s-t-y-l-e dot com but i thought i will just read to you some of the quotes from the original miracle moments the fulfillment of potential book and hope these will give you some insight to make your day really worthwhile and worth living so the first one is from alice's adventure in wonderland by lewis carroll because i live by this if you don't know where you're going you know any road will do so would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here asked Alice and that depends a good deal on where you want to get to said the cat oh I don't much care where said Alice then it doesn't matter which way you go said the cat well so long as I get somewhere Alice added oh you're sure to do that said the cat 
if you only walk long enough. So in other words, you know, we have to be uh, write a map for our life if we want to get there. Now, this particular, the next uh, miracle moment is something that I have on a framed in my office. I actually add this to all of my books that I have written. Uh, it's You'll find it in the business, the show business, Be the Star You Are, Be the Star You Are for Teens, Miracle Moments, and Love and Relationships, because I truly live by this quote as well. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win but think you can't, it's almost a cinch that you won't. For life's victories don't always go to the stronger or faster one. Sooner or later, the person who wins is the one who thinks she can. And the best way to start is to start. Opportunity always involves some risk. You can't steal second with your foot still on first. When we light the way for others, we are truly enlightened ourselves. Quitters never win and winners never quit. Stem the tide of mediocrity and live your bliss. A dream is a goal with a timeline. I don't use the word deadline, as you know. I like to use timeline because when I have a deadline, I really feel like I'm going to die. So I always say a dream is a goal with a timeline. In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. What you think about and talk about comes about. Ask your angels and you'll get angel answers. Angels are the guardians of hope and wonder and the keepers of magic and dreams. Angels have heart prints on our daily lives, and the stars exist so that we may know how high our dreams can fly. Know all the possibilities of your impossible dream, and forgive, forget, and forge ahead. Spread your wings and fly. We are all flawless in the eyes of love. When the power of love replaces the love of power, man will have a new name, God Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And that was Henry Ford who said that. Expect to win. No goals, no glory. Reach for the stars. Anything worth doing takes a risk. So go out on that limb. You hear Heather and I talking about that all the time, how you go out on the limb because that's where the fruit is. And that's what we mean by, you know, when we say smile, have fun and be wild and crazy. That's the wild and crazy part. We want you to go out out on that limb and get the fruit. Behold the turtle. He makes progress when he sticks his neck out. Again, taking risks. The only way to reach your limit is to overreach them. Believe in others as no one succeeds alone. We are all miracles and carry a spare set of wings in your pocket. I think about that always when I'm parking, having to park in San Francisco. It's really tough. And I'm sure some of you must have parking angels. I have a fabulous parking angel. And I I wish that that parking angel would talk to her friends because I would like to have uh, angels in other aspects of life, too. So I'm working on that. (laughs) Together, everyone achieves more. Know your limits and then exceed them. Make what you love be what you do. You know how we always say when you... Love what you're doing. You never work a day in your life. Well, that is so true. Man's mind, once stretched by a new idea, never again regains its original dimensions. There's only one success, and that is to live your dreams. We can't change the wind, but we can adjust our sails. Don't wait for your ship to come in. Swim out to it. We make a living by what we get, and we make a life by what we give. And life is a voyage of discovery. Without challenge, there's no achievement. 
Courage is resistance to fear, not absence of fear. There are no accidents, only divine synchronicity. And we are all angels in training. And angels keep it simple, and that's why they travel lightly. Whenever you hear a bell, another angel has earned his wings or her wings. We can complain because the rose bush has thorns or rejoice because the thorn bush has roses. You create opportunities by asking for them. Help each other to be happy. Never mind if help be small. Giving a little is far better than giving none at all. That was a gift to me from my good friend, Father Pat McGrath from Ireland, who's told me that when I was a little girl, and I've never forgotten it. Life is a buffet, and you have to serve yourself. Trust yourself and believe you can create your own destiny. Joy is contagious. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. And that is from Nelson Mandela. And, of course, there's a whole book full of quotes. And so we hope that you'll want to pick up a a copy and you'll continue hearing them for as long as I am on the radio. Again, you can find these books at StarStyleRadio.com. Thank you all for being great listeners and allowing Heather and I into your life each week. Thank you for my great support team at World Talk Radio who makes us look and sound great all the time. And stay tuned every week for the expert advice and for these super authors that we bring to you to help you change your life and make your dreams come true. For more information about Be The Star You Are, we'd like you to go to btsya.com. That's the new website for teens. You can also make donations there. We hope we have encouraged, inspired, informed, and motivated you. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and read a book this week. Pick up Devil Colony. You will love it. And until next week, when Heather and I will be here with you again, I am Cynthia Bryan. I am thanking you and encouraging you. Go out in the world, make a difference, and be the star you are. Thanks for joining me. See you next week.